And uh, let me start off by saying to all of you, thank you. Uh, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Um, we have just, uh, as a staff, we've been completely overwhelmed uh, by your love and your kindness. And uh, we have felt your prayers. We have felt your support. And we have just truly felt um, God's hands carry in us. And if you are um, new to Westridge, this is your first time ever being here, uh, you're unaware of maybe what we've been through. Um, Twelve days ago, our uh, worship pastor here at our East Campus um, was tragically killed in a, in a cycling accident. And so over the last 12 days, we have been as a church working through all that, um, all that, we've, all that we've been going through. And uh, so I thank you again for just uh, loving on us and helping us through this time. Now, I will tell you, one of, the, one of the truly amazing things that has been happening throughout this whole ordeal is how God has taken this story and how he has used it to touch people's lives and to spread the gospel all over the world. Um, I want to show you something that is really mind-blowing uh, when you see it. Um, this is a map, obviously, of our world. Um, over 16,600 people in 57 different countries have um, watched Andrew Prey's memorial celebration that we did this past Tuesday here at Westridge Church. And um, there were over 1,500 people here in this auditorium. So, I mean, over 18,000 people because of this event have heard the gospel. And that does not include the service that we were part of Thursday in Arkansas, which was also viewed by thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So it has been truly amazing. I mean, you can see just the impact that this story has had on so many people's lives. Now, I want to be honest with you, okay? Um, on one hand, I've watched this stat grow, and I have been listening to stories of how people have come to Christ, how um, God has just been moving in people's hearts. I had a conversation with a lady a moment ago after the first service that was just very impactful to me about how God has used this story to really touch her and change not only her lives, but beginning to change her family. And uh, I've just been amazed. But on the other hand, this past Thursday, as the sun went down in northwest Arkansas, uh, I stood off in the distance and I watched a dad stand alone by his son's casket saying his last earthly goodbye. And uh, I got to tell you, in my humanity, um, it's been hard to reconcile those incredible stats and the tough moments that not only we've been through together, but we've watched others go through as uh, we've walked together through this difficult um, tragedy. But as I was um, praying before the first service, I got a text message from Andrew's pastor back in, um, in Arkansas. And he shared a passage of scripture with me that I, I just truly, uh, just, God just truly used to bless me. And so you're, I want you to pray for me now because I left my glasses at home. And so let's see if I can read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 9, 10, and 12. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become, will, will become useless now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All I know now is partial and incomplete, the Apostle Paul says, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. And so I, I got to tell you, that ministered to me in a huge way, um, just trying to reconcile all that God is doing throughout this situation. Um, but... Um, 
honestly, this past week and the last 12 days have been some of the hardest, uh, most painful, emotional, tiring days I have ever experienced in ministry. And uh, there have been moments over the last 12 days uh, that we have acknowledged, I've acknowledged, our staff has acknowledged that, that we're, just, we're not running in our own strength, but we are instead experiencing the fullness of God's grace. And we've also been full aware that we have been surrounded and covered and even carried by God's Holy Spirit. Now, we're supposed to be in a series right now called Out of the Box, which um, has, is a, Troy actually started the series a couple weeks ago, introduced us to the I Am Statements of Jesus, and uh, that's what I'm supposed to be doing uh, this week. And uh, I went offline, I went out of the box last week, and um, since we're in the out of the box series, I'm going out of the box again this morning. And uh, Andrew was even part of planning this, and a very appropriate name, and what we've realized through this is that God has just had a different plan. And so last week I felt the need to talk about what happens when life doesn't make sense, and we answered some very tough questions last week. What is God up to and what, where is Jesus when our world gets turned upside down? Well, the other night I was laying in bed and God just impressed on me in a very strong way that this morning I needed to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because as we've been grieving as a church, the Holy Spirit has been very active in our midst. Uh, the Holy Spirit has been providing us strength. He's been giving us peace. Uh, he has been our encourager. He has been our shelter in the midst of uh, an incredible storm. He's been our comforter. He's been our hope, and he has been our helper. And I am very aware that as I stand above in front of you this morning, he is helping me right now. Um, I know that many of you, you have experienced some storms in your own lives over the past few months. Uh, as I was standing out in the atrium this past Tuesday, as we were um, getting ready to, as we were finished up with the memorial service, I ran into Randy Flowers whose wife, Sharon, was also on our staff, who passed away a couple months ago. And he had just tears in his eyes, and I just reached out and hugged him, and I'm just very aware that as we were going through this, he was still experiencing, and we were experiencing as well, that just the overwhelming grief of, of another staff member that we lost unexpectedly. And I know many of you as well, you're going through... Um, some marital issues, you're dealing with tremendous pain and heartache of, of a situation, dealing with maybe a child, or you're in a financial situation. Well, I want to tell you something. Jesus promised us when he left this earth that he would give us a helper during times like this. He promised us that he would never leave us alone. But in a very supernatural way, he would carry us through and help us through the most difficult times that we would face in our lives. He promised us a Holy Spirit. Probably one of the most confusing, most controversial, most misunderstood, and even abused doctrines in the whole Bible is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And yet, it's maybe one of the most important. And it's crucial that we understand clearly who the Holy, Holy Spirit is, why the Holy Spirit was sent here, and how the Holy Spirit helps us during some of the most incredibly difficult moments of our lives. Tony Evans, who's one of my favorite authors, says this, if everything in life emanates from the knowledge of God, then it's safe to say that everything in the Christian life emanates from the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about this for a moment. Everything we celebrate as a church began when the Holy Spirit arrived at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And when the Holy Spirit leaves this world, we're going to be going with him. 
Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no creation, there would be no virgin birth, there would be no Bible, there would be no one holding sin back in the world at this very moment, and there would be no expectation of the return of Jesus Christ. You take the Holy Spirit out of the picture and we are left with nothing. That's how important this topic is to us as Christ followers. He is absolutely central to the Christian life. His role in our life is the essential factor in determining whether you win or you lose spiritually or whether you fail or succeed in the Christian life. So with our Bibles open to John chapter 14, I want to set the picture, if I can, for you for just a moment. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. And if you remember, this is where Jesus shared his last supper. This is where he predicted the betrayal of Judas. It was also... Um, at this event where he made a very significant promise to his disciples. In verse 16, he looked at them and he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now I want you to understand that when Jesus spoke these words to his disciples, this was not a happy time. Judas had just been revealed as a traitor. Peter had been told by Jesus that he was going to deny him three times. And now Jesus has just told his disciples that he was going to be leaving them and they were not going to be going with him. And so as Jesus is talking at this table, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of anxiety. This is not a warm, fuzzy moment between the disciples. And Jesus is is, is not having this touchy-feely time with them like sometimes, you know, painters of this moment want to portray. There was a lot of tension. There was a lot of anxiety and stress at this moment. Again, verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you for e- forever, either, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus wanted to assure his followers and even those, um, e- that, that even though he was going to leave, he wasn't going to leave them alone. There was going to be someone that was going to come along after him, that would actually take his place. This person was going to do for them what Jesus did, but he was actually going to even do more. Whereas Jesus was able to comfort them and strengthen them in in person, this promised somebody was going to do all that and more by actually living inside of them. So who is this Holy Spirit? Well, I want to just tell you who he's not for just a moment. As we have found out this past week, He's not passive, but he's very actively involved in our lives. He's also not imaginary, but yet he's, he's, he's very real and he's very relevant. First of all, he's a real person. He's not an it. He has a distinct personality. You say, how do we know that? How, how do we know he's not just some it floating around out there? Well, the Bible says that he bears all the attributes of someone that has a personality. He has intellect. He has emotions. He has a will. Romans chapter 8 verse 27 tells us that there are things that he knows in his mind. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 tells us that he has emotions that can be grieved. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 11 tells us that there's a purpose behind everything he does. Also, when the Bible refers to him, it it uses personal pronouns to describe him. The Spirit is always referred to and refers to himself in a first-person voice. Oftentimes, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about him as a power. We say we need Holy Spirit power in our lives. But I want you to understand, before you can have Holy Spirit power, you first have to know the Holy Spirit person. 
And sometimes we view the Holy Spirit as some kind of this hookup rather than a relationship. I've met too many people along the way who see the Holy Spirit as, as some kind of drug that will give them some kind of spiritual buzz throughout the week. And the problem is they end up with a huge spiritual deficiency in their lives because they miss the personal relationship that the Holy Spirit wants to have with them on a daily basis. And so understand this, the Holy Spirit is a very real and very relevant person. The Holy Spirit is also God. He's not a substitute for God, he is God. He is the third party of the Trinity. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 Jesus said, there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The word name in this verse is singular. It's singular, meaning that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all one person. We, we, we call that the Trinity. However, I want you to understand that they have three very distinct personalities. Now, i, I got to tell you, I have heard every which way you can, do, you can describe to describe the, the Trinity. I, I've heard everything that you can imagine. But a few years ago, I read something that hopefully will help it make sense to you. The Holy Spirit is like a pretzel. One hole represents the Father. The other hole represents the Son. The other one represents the Holy Spirit. They are three distinct holes that intertwine to make one pretzel. You can't figure it out. You just have to enjoy it while you chew on it. All right? And you have to understand that He is God. All right? Also, he's unique. He is unique. Just looking at his name describes his uniqueness. Because he is God, he is holy. But his primary work in this world is to help followers of Christ to become holy. He is constantly working to help us to separate the stuff in our lives, the stuff of the world out of our lives so that we can get closer to God, so that we can become more like Jesus. He's a spirit because he's non-material and he's invisible. The New Testament and Old Testaments call him spirit, which means wind or breath. He is the very breath of God. Now, this is where people get a little bit weirded out when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Trying to explain someone that is invisible that lives inside of you is, is very difficult. It's like trying to explain electricity. You know electricity is there. You know it's powerful. You know you need it. You know you can benefit from it, but it's hard to explain. You just know that when you need to flip, you need a light in a room, you, you flip on a switch and, and, and there's power. And the same is true for the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 through 13, that the Holy Spirit connects us to the wisdom and the power of God. It's like electricity that runs from an electrical socket to a lamp. Within that cord, running through that cord, is the power that can light up a room. Now, why does the Apostle John say in chapter 14, verse 17, that the world cannot receive him? Well, the same reason that you cannot pick up a radio station with a radio, or, or the, the same reason you cannot pick up a radio station without a radio, okay, is the illustration that explains this. Radio waves are constantly going through the air, but they're useless unless you're able to receive them. And what John is saying here, what Jesus is actually saying, and John records it, is that the world does not have a spiritual receiver. 
But the moment that you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have a receiver implanted inside of you that allows you to tune into the very voice of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In other words, when you became a child of God, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. We call it the indwelling. He indwells you. He takes over your life. He sets up shop in your spiritual heart. He seals you forever so that you are permanently inside the family of God. So regardless of what you're going through this morning, regardless of what you're dealing with, you can tune into the Holy Spirit for guidance. So why was he sent here? Well, not only does the Holy Spirit indwell your life, but he helps you to be and to do all that God wants you to be and to do. Jesus was talking to his disciples after their meal together in the upper room, and he, and he says these words to them in John chapter 15, verse 5. He says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, is, it, he, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. In other words, Jesus says this, he goes, guys, Here's the picture I want you to see. I'm a vine, you're connected to me as branches. And when you're connected to me, I want you to understand, great things will happen. However, if you try to live the Christian life disconnected from me, you're going to be in deep trouble. And he tells them, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are feeling spiritually wiped out, listen, you are a prime candidate for some relief from the Holy Spirit. So why was he sent? To be an internal helper. When Jesus told the disciples that he was going to leave, the very first question they asked was, who's going to help us? Who's going to help us, Jesus? Who's going to encourage us? Who's going to strengthen us? Who's going to watch our backs? Who's going to lead us? There was a great concern going on here. And Jesus said this, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Jesus promised the disciples that he would send them a helper after he left. The word helper in the Greek is the word paraclete. It's translated differently depending on which version of the Bible you use. You you see the word counselor, you see the word advocate, you see the word enabler. It literally means one called alongside of to help. In other words, the Holy Spirit was going to be for them an eternal presence that would lead them and strengthen them and empower them. Okay, He was going to be an internal helper. He was also going to be a helper like Jesus. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said that he would give us another helper. The word another in the Greek word is, is, means alas. It means another of the same kind. Not a different kind, but the same. In other words, Jesus was telling the disciples, I'm going to send you a helper that will be all to you that I was to you. Everything you got from me, you're going to get from him and more. Now, a lot of times we... You know, when we go through tough times as followers of Jesus Christ, and some of you are going through some very difficult times right now, we think, if I could just get to a counselor, if I could just get to a pastor, if I could just get to a therapist, or something like that, then everything in my life would be fine. And I want you to know, we have some incredible counselors in our church. And they are special gifts to us because there are moments that we do need to talk to somebody and we need to unpack and unload the things that we're going to. But you need to understand this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've received salvation through Christ alone, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He indwells you. 
And as, a good as, a, as good of a counselor as you think I might be, or as good of a counselor as our life care pastor, Jeff Bell, is, or as good as a counselor as some of you in this room actually are, not one of us is the Holy Spirit. We don't even come close to what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. And I'll say this, if you place more priority on outside help than you do on the inside help that God wants to promise you, or is promising you, you're going to miss out on the full power of God in your life. Listen, these past few days, God has used so many of you to encourage us, to encourage our church, to encourage the staff. But I want to tell you something, it's been the Holy Spirit that has met us at the deepest point of our sorrow. We have a helper inside of us that is just like Jesus. He's also been sent to be an ever-present helper. Now, this is important. Later on that evening, Jesus says to his disciples in, in John 16, 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Basically, Jesus said to them, I have to leave. I have to leave. It's for your benefit that I have to go. Now, what does that mean? It means that Jesus, if Jesus were still here in bodily form, that we would be worse off as people. We would be powerless and we would feel defeated. Why is that? Well, because when Jesus was here, everything about him was stuck in his humanity. He was still God, but he was stuck in humanity. Even though he could do miracles, he could only be at one place at one time. During his ministry, he traveled a few miles outside of his home. He only spoke to a few thousand people at a time. Jesus was limited to where he was at that moment. He was still God, but for 33 years, he chose to be temporarily stuck in his humanity. Today after church, all of you, you're going to go. You're going to leave this parking lot, and you're going to go into different directions. Some of you are going to go to Marietta. Some of you are going to go south to Douglasville. Some of you are going to go to north, north to Canton. Some of you are going to go northwest to Rock Mart. Let's say maybe you're going to go to Villa Rica. And maybe you're going to come up, maybe you're going to come up with a problem in your life. Listen, you don't want to hear that Jesus is stuck in Cartersville when you need him to be with you in Villa Rica. When you desperately need him, and when you need him now, and you need his undivided attention, what do we have? Well, since Jesus left and sent the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you what, he lives in you. So no matter where you are, he is indwelling you, he is living in you. Wherever you happen to be, all of God that you will ever need is at your disposal. He sent to us an ever-present helper. When you trusted Jesus Christ, don't miss this now, when you trusted Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, you received the full package. You received the full package. Then why do we feel defeated at times? If we have all of God that we'll ever need, then why do we struggle so much with issues and with problems? I want to make a statement to you. It's not how much of the Holy Spirit do I have. Here's the question. How much does he have of me? You have all of the Holy Spirit that you're going to get. When, when you trusted Christ, you got the whole package. The question is, how much does he have of us? See, sometimes, see some, sometimes we have a wrong view of the Holy Spirit. We look at him as some kind of power outlet that we can hook into whenever we just need a quick fix. It becomes all about us. The Holy Spirit, you know, we look at it and we go, you know, the Holy Spirit's here for me, 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 me. Listen, that's the wrong approach. John chapter 16, verse 13 says, when the Spirit of truth comes, 
He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I want to tell you what the bottom line goal and the purpose of the Holy Spirit is, is to glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit is not here to show off. The Holy Spirit is not here to put himself on display. He's not here to put you on display or to make a big deal of you either. His bottom line goal is to put Jesus Christ on display and to make him famous. Now, that's important. Because if life is all about you, if, if it's all about having your needs met, if it's about your personal happiness, if it's about making you successful rather than ultimately bringing glory to God, then you're going to run into a power shortage when you need a helper. Because this life, our goal should be the same goal as the Holy Spirit. Our goal should be about bringing glory to Jesus in everything that we do. Now, this is hard for me to grasp sometimes. And let me tell you why. God's intention for allowing Andrew Prey to be taken out of this world at 30 years old was to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And so because of that, all that the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives right now is ultimately for the purpose of bringing glory to Jesus Christ. Think about, I mean, Andrew was with us at Westridge for just a little over two years, but think about the fact that 1,500 people were here on Tuesday at his funeral to hear about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And when we came to that moment in the service, there were scores of hands that went up. People who had, at that very moment, had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. As I mentioned a moment ago, over 16,600 people have viewed his memorial celebration online since he died. Thousands of others have viewed his memorial celebration in Arkansas. Again, we have had so many people tell us that the events of the last 12 days have drawn them closer to God. It It has caused them to want to be a better father, a better husband, and to care more about people. Those desires bring glory to Jesus. They bring glory to God. If you want the help of the Holy Spirit in whatever you're facing, then your priority, the priority in your life should be to glorify and advertise Jesus in everything you do, in every area of your life. So, how does the Holy Spirit help us? If it's all about Jesus and putting him on display and bringing glory to him, then, then how does he help us? Well, when Jesus told the, the disciples that he was going to be going away, and it was going to be to their advantage. He knew the incredible benefits that they were about to receive. This is how the Holy Spirit helps us, not just in normal times, but especially during some very difficult times. First of all, he gives us guidance. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I'll tell you what, over the last 12 days, our staff, we've had to make rapid fire decisions, one right after the next, in the midst of heavy grief. And throughout the last several days, I cannot tell you how many times I have just whispered the words, Lord, guide us. Lord, we don't have wisdom in our own strength. You've got to give us wisdom right now. I've watched Courtney pray, have to make decisions that no 29-year-old mother of three small children have to make. And we have watched, we have prayed over her, and we have just watched her as God has led her to make one decision after the next. God has not let us down. He's not let Courtney down. He's not let her family down. He has met us. He has met her. He's met his, her family at every single turn along the, the last 12 days. 
He guides us. He also helps us to remember the things of God. John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I cannot tell you how many times over the last several days God has just brought verses into my mind that I learned as a child. I've been so thankful that my mom took me to church when I was growing up, and then when my dad came to Christ, it just continued. Because there has just been this recollection of verses that I just learned as a child. I've thought over and over as I've tried to, you know, figure out what's going on. Isaiah 55, 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4, 8, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're hunted down, but we're not abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. I mean, and, and just, I could just stand up here and just keep telling you verses that God has brought to me as the Holy Spirit has helped me to remember the words and the things of God. He also gives us the peace of God. John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to, uh, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Here's what I've learned about the Holy Spirit as I've watched people go through difficulties and suffering. He goes through our pain with us. He enters into our suffering with us. Jesus did it in the incarnation and his spirit does it for us now because of his Holy Spirit. God, listen, God will never leave us on our own. He gives us peace that goes beyond our ability to understand. Philippians chapter three talks about how that when we pray, or chapter four talks about how that when we pray and then when we give thanks to God in the midst of our suffering, how that, that God actually comes along and he gives us a peace that goes beyond our understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it's that Holy Spirit that is working on our behalf that is giving us the peace of God. He also gives us hope. In Romans chapter 15, the apostle Paul prays that we would overflow with the hope of the power of the Holy Spirit. When I stand beside a casket of a grieving family, I always pray that God will help me to overflow with the hope that is found in the power of the Holy Spirit. Honestly, the only reason I can stand before you today is because of the hope that I have in the Holy Spirit. When we come to moments like this, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we truly have nothing. Jesus said this, I'm the vine. We're the branches. What empowers us? It's being connected to our source, to the vine. And as we are connected to the vine, our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our decision, our moments to choose to walk with him daily, it's that Holy Spirit that we sometimes get our, can't get our minds around that is like the sap running through that vine into the branches that is, that is empowering us. And I want to tell you, I praise God. And I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I praise God that he has not left us alone in this world. At moments like this, we have a comforter. We have a helper. We have a hope. And our hope is found in Jesus Christ. And we are reminded over and over, we overflow with hope. 
to the world around us through moments like this. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we, of all people, should celebrate that. Sometimes, I'm just telling you what, I wish sometimes y'all would just stand up and just shout. But Good. Y'all are, I'm not going to say it. All right. I love you. Y'all are too white sometimes, all right? And I don't mean to say that to offend anyone in this room. But we have a power that lives inside of us, and we should be walking of all people in that hope every single day, regardless of what we go through. All right? Let's bow our heads. Father, you're a comforter to us. You are our hope. We don't even have to pray to the Holy Spirit. We cry out to our Father, and at that very moment, Jesus prays on our behalf, and the Holy Spirit moves into action and, and begins to just fill us with hope, fill us with comfort, fill us with your power. He becomes our helper. And our minds can't even figure that out, and that's okay. I'm just thankful for it. And at this moment, Lord, we want to celebrate that. Even in the midst of grief and difficult times, we celebrate God the Father, who is all things, the creator of the universe our Father who walks with us, Lord, who has all of it together. We just thank you for holding it all together. For Jesus, who provided something we could never do on our own, who came and walked on this earth, who chose to limit himself for a brief time so that we could see how to live, who walked in humanity so that, so that God himself could give his life on our behalf to be a sacrifice that we could never provide. That alone is hard to get our minds around. And then we add to it the Holy Spirit. The power that you've left us with. The comforter, the advocate, the helper, our hope. And may we overflow with that hope at this very moment. You've not left us alone. Praise God. And we've learned to celebrate that in everything in our lives, even through the worst moments that we go through. Because our suffering and our troubles are only for a brief moment. If you're here this morning, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Jesus did something for you that you could never do on your own. He provided a sacrifice for sin that you could never pay for. And without Jesus, you have no hope. And so he gave his life for you so that you may have it. And if you want to put your faith and trust in him alone at this very moment to provide forgiveness for you, 
to provide strength for this moment for you, to make it through this life, and to give you a hope for eternity and for a future beyond this one. This is your moment. This is your moment. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, at this moment, I put every bit of faith and trust I have in you alone to be my Savior. I confess with these lips that you are the Son of God. I repent of my sin. I need forgiveness that I can't provide. I ask you to come into my life and to save me. I receive the free gift of salvation by putting all of my faith and all of my trust, not in my background, not in my good works, not in my, not in my religion, but instead in a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. You just pray to receive Jesus Christ. We want to help you to take a next step with him. If you'd fill out your worship guide that, we came, that you, you, you were handed as you came through the door this morning, there's a box. You can check the box that says this morning, I pray to receive Jesus Christ. Take it to the help center out in the, uh, in the atrium. We want to help you to take a next step. For the rest of us, let's stand. And let's sing. And let's celebrate what God's done in our lives. Let's thank God for being all that he is to us. Let's thank Jesus for being all that he is to us. And let's celebrate the fact, let's celebrate the fact that we don't walk through this life alone. When Jesus left, he promised to give us more than he could be for us as if he were here in his own flesh. He gave us a comforter, an advocate, a helper to help us, guide us, lead us through the most difficult times of life. And we're going to celebrate that right now. Amen? All right.